Praise the Lord. I want you to have your Bibles ready. We're going to be using them quite a bit today. Thank God. And uh, I want us to look in the Bible, look in the Word, at uh, some examples of faith, some examples of well, the opposite of faith. And we're going, to see, uh, we're going to see God's hand not only through history but in our own lives. And, and I want us to learn from some things. If we can, we can, uh, you can either look at, at, at people in history that have made mistakes and, and just laugh at them, or you can learn from them. You can look at people in history that have done the right thing, and you can be inspired by them and, and clap for them, or you can also learn from them as well. And I believe God wants us to learn. That's why He gave us His Word. That's why He gave us not just the Word in theory, but He gave us practice. He showed us people that did it, and He showed us people that did it right, and people that did it wrong. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to look at uh, the example of the Israelites in the wilderness. We understand that we're not exactly the same as them. There are some differences. Number one, we're not Jews. But we have been grafted in by the blood of Jesus and by the covenant that Jesus made with us. We've been grafted into His family. We are children of God just as they were. But we have a new and better covenant. So we're not subject to the curse of the law. We're not subject to the bondage that they were subject to. And yet we still have the same God. And uh, it's going to still take faith to do anything. It's going to take faith to overcome. It's going to take faith to win. I mean, just because you got a new and better covenant, it, it doesn't work without faith. You've got to rely on God, just as they did. So we're going to look at their example. And uh, I realize that... Um, that many in the church, specifically our church, in the past little while, many of you have been fighting some, some pretty serious battles, some physical, some relational, some emotional, some spiritual. And I believe that God is on your side. I also want to tell you that you're going to have to stand in faith to win. And you know, you may have a lot of... I mean, I believe in the unity of the faith and the fellowship of the brethren. I believe that that everybody who calls themselves a believer and really truly believes in the name of Jesus Christ, that we can have fellowship with them and should have fellowship with them. Uh, at the same time, some of you have been so advanced in the Word and in faith that at, at one time in your life, you fought like nobody else. I mean, you, you were strong in the faith. You knew the Word of God. It was quick to come to your lips. And uh, when an unbeliever spoke, when you talk to somebody that didn't know Jesus... You instantly spoke the truth to them. Then something happened, though. It's good to have fellowship with other believers. And there's some, there's some great churches that are preaching some great things. Thank God for these brothers and sisters. However, here's the deal. Some of us have hung around with some defeated Christians enough where we should have been hanging around with them and infecting them with, filling them with faith, encouraging them, building them up. And uh, some people have just gotten used to getting beat up. And some people don't know they're in a battle. Some people don't know who sent the battle. Some people are just kind of confused about what God is doing or what He wants to do, and therefore they can't fight because you don't know, am I fighting against God or am I fighting for God? And so you've let this influence, some people have let this influence them. They've read books that have clouded their thinking. And though the title looked good and the cover looked glossy and, and it had some funny stories in it, it's confused you. And sometimes we just got to get back to the Word and say, what does the Bible say about this? Because we are a peculiar people. 
We are a set apart. We are a holy nation. And we are going to be the people that stand when everyone else gives up. We stand. And so if you've been fighting some things, I believe that the Word of God is going to be preached today and faith comes. The Bible says that this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. So if you're fighting a battle, I truly believe that whether you win or lose may have a lot to do with how you receive the Word. Because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. So if you're going to hear with faith, you might just have a really good shot of winning. In fact, I can tell you right now, you will win. No doubt. Guarantee, you will win if you hear in faith. If you listen in faith, if you apply it in faith. The Israelites did not. It says they heard the word of the Lord, but they did not mix faith with their hearing. So what happened? They died. God does not want you to die in the wilderness. Doesn't want you to lose. Doesn't want you to to struggle with things he never designed you to struggle with. So you got to hear with faith. Apply it. I don't care. I mean, you know what? You may be older and more experienced than me. In fact, most of you are. Most of you I greatly honor and respect what God has done in your lives to this point. I don't want to ever short, uh, you know, cut that short or, or call that short. But you need to get past who's talking now and get to the fact that we're hearing the word. And so you go, that little punk... He's not that old. When I was his age, I was twice his age. And uh, you can say all that stuff. That's, that doesn't matter. There's been a, given a grace in each of our jobs in the body of Christ. We've been given grace to do it. And so if I've been given grace to pastor, and I believe I have, then that means I've been given grace to teach. And, and, and it doesn't matter that I'm 29 or, um, you know, just half your age or whatever. I believe we can all hear from the Word and learn from God. And I believe that that's the word that's going to set you free this morning. Amen? Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Well, would you turn, if you're there already, to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Or sorry, chapter 10. My, my fault there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. They were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, I want you to hear that, I want you to see that. He says, with most of them, not all of them. Everybody drank the same water. Everybody heard the same voice. Everybody went in the same cloud, had the same pillar of fire before them in the night, had the same cloud of glory above them in the day. Everybody passed through the same sea. And yet most of them God was not pleased with. What does the Bible say? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now you can't say, well, Joshua and Caleb, they being the two standouts that I see in the Word, right? They're the only two that went into the promised land. Two out of multitudes went into the promised land. So I don't know. I'm not going to be the one that draws the line and say, this is who God was pleased with and this was who He wasn't pleased with. But I could think there's something to be said for the fact that two of them went in. We can definitely say God was pleased with their actions and their belief. Two of them went in, and most of them God was not pleased with. And it says, nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. Now, these things happened as examples for us. 
He doesn't mean, he's not saying they happened so we would have an example. He said they happened and we need to look at them as an example. They are examples for us. We'd be stupid to ignore it. He says these things happened as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example and they were written for our instruction, for our New Testament born again, blood-bought instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Praise God. Now you may look at these things and you say, wow, they must have been doing some terrible stuff. They must have been doing some horrible things. You see, what, what, what did he say they did? They craved evil things. It says that they were idolaters. It says they acted immorally. It said they grumbled. It said they, they tested the Lord. You might be surprised to find out this is all basically the same thing. You see, you could read this verse, and, and, and if you don't go back and see what he's talking about, you can think that, that okay, well, what did they do? They, I mean, did they, did they sleep around? Did they, did they lie a lot? Did they, did they do all these other things? Did they, did they gamble? Did they, uh, you know, go off and, and assault other people? And you can apply it to a bunch of different sin, but I'll tell you right now, here's the main sin. Here's the one thing unbelief and I'll take you through each one of these things you see if you read it by itself you'd think craving evil things was like you know like they wanted a chocolate bar when God told them not to eat a chocolate bar you might think you might think when you read that well then I guess I shouldn't crave evil things I shouldn't uh, you know I, I mean I, I guess this is saying that uh, I shouldn't want to go and uh, murder somebody or I shouldn't uh, want to go get pornography from the store or things like that but this is not what it's talking about even though you shouldn't <laughs> that would be a stupid mistake let's look at the context first of all let's handle this crave things what were they craving let's look at the example example of the word ex just as it says it's Numbers 11.4 for instance if you want to write this down I'll read it to you but you can write it down it says the rabble who were among them had greedy desires. And also the sons of Israel wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we used to eat free in Egypt. The cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our appetite is gone. There is nothing at all to look at except this manna. Now, I want to... I wanna, proposed to you that what they were putting up with, what God had brought them out for, uh, was, was something that was very valuable to them going into the promised land. Now think about it. They came out of Egypt. And when they're in Egypt, they're crying the whole time, right? It's, I mean, they're crying out to God. They're saying it's hard. Oh, in fact, when Moses says God wants you to be free, it says they couldn't hear him because of the shortness of their spirit, because of the cruel punishments and beatings and, and treatment they've been treated with. They've been treated so cruelly, they no longer could believe that they could be free. Doesn't sound like fun, does it? Nevertheless, they had masters that gave them food when they needed food. It was always there. They didn't have to trust God. They were under bondage, and yet 
They didn't have to think for themselves. They didn't have to rely on God. They didn't have to, they didn't have to ask for anything. It was just, you know, we want these guys to work, so we make sure they have food. God brings them out and prepares them for the promised land. Do you know the time of wilderness was meant to be a time of detox from Egypt and retraining to learn how to live in the promised land. And it shouldn't have had to take as long as it took. In fact, it's a very short journey from Israel, or for, sorry, from Egypt to the promised land. But in order to go the shortest way, they would have had to go through the land of the Philistines. If they had learned what they were supposed to learn, if they had stood in faith and trusted God, the Philistines would have been no problem for them. But God wasn't going to have them go out and be slaughtered because they couldn't believe Him. Could have gone right through the land of the Philistines. The Philistines surely would have attacked them because the Philistines thought this way, you're runaway slaves. That's all you are. You're runaway slaves. You're not our friends. Get off our land. That's what they would have done and there would have been a war. And you know what? If they had trusted God, easy. But they weren't ready for that. God took them around another way. And even when He brought them to the edge of the promised land, they weren't ready to go in. They couldn't believe God. They couldn't trust God. He said, go in. It's promised. I'll give it to you. And only two of them actually believed God. They saw miracles. They saw the works of God. They saw mighty, great things. But their faith, their faith kept wavering. And what we see here, the thing that they craved, what in the world is evil about meat? Nothing. The evil part was the unbelief. Because they had to be trained to go from Egypt where food was just there and you just ate it and somebody made you eat, somebody gave you food to eat. They had to be trained to go to, to a land where God was the only source. They were living off manna. And God was providing for them. And remember what He said. He said, I will give you manna every day except the Sabbath day. And every morning they'd get up and every morning this manna would be on the ground. And every morning they gathered it, and God said, don't gather more than you need today. Why? Because I want you to rely on me tomorrow, too. What did they want to do? They wanted to store it up. In fact, some of them did. They wanted to store it up so they don't have to worry about it tomorrow. Because what if it stops tomorrow? What if we don't have it? What if something goes wrong and we can't collect it tomorrow? And so when they stored up more than they could eat, worms ate it at night. The only day that God kept that from happening was the day before the Sabbath. They gathered twice as much so they wouldn't have to work on the Sabbath. What's God teaching them? Rely on me. But they got to a point where they didn't like that. And they wanted some of their own food. And they got tired of manna. You know, they weren't meant to keep eating manna in the wilderness for the rest of their lives. They were meant to grow to a place where God would bring them into a land flowing with milk and honey. But even there, they'd have to rely on Him. This is a lesson that God is teaching us all throughout the Bible and all throughout history. You remember, even to His own disciples, Jesus said, don't take your coat, don't take a money bag, don't take any extra shoes. He said, just go and watch me provide for you. If you can't learn that now, while I'm still here, you're not going to have a chance when I'm gone. So God teaches them, I'm going to provide for you, I'm going to give you what you need. 
They don't like that. They want to go back to the horrible things that they had to do in Egypt. Because at least there, the food was just there. We didn't have to trust God. There was no faith required. We just ate. Even though it was bondage, they wanted to go back. There's nothing evil about fish. There's nothing evil about garlic. There's nothing evil about onions. What's evil is that you crave it because you don't want to trust God. Now look, we're going to back that up with more scripture. How about that? Numbers 11.34. So the name that that place was called was called Kibroth-Ketava because there they buried the people who had been greedy. Greedy. These were the people that desired meat because they were tired of the manna. They wanted something else than what God had given them. God gave them quail, but it says while the meat was still in their teeth, they died. While the meat was still in their teeth. Read you another verse, just to double, triple check it. Psalms 106, 14. First, let's start in verse 13. It says, They quickly forgot His works. They did not wait for His counsel, but craved. So you see, that's that word crave, right? You want to know what they craved that was so bad? They weren't craving other women. They weren't craving uh, murder. They weren't craving other things. Here's what they were craving. It says, They craved intensely in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. So He gave them their request but sent a wasting disease among them when they became envious of Moses in the camp. Now, this is a different subject. And of Aaron, the Holy One of the Lord, the earth opened up. But when they were craving that meat because they wanted things to be like it was in Egypt, they didn't want to trust God for His provision. They wanted to know that we can just kill something. We can provide for ourselves. We don't want to trust God. We don't want to believe God. We're not, we're not satisfied with what God's pouring out in our life. Then they die. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 10. What else did they do? Well, they were idolaters. Now, lest we wonder, we, this is a pretty easy one to figure out. When did they really do this? It was, I mean, there's a scripture quote right after. It says they sat down to eat and they rose to play. Do you know where that comes from? It comes from that great moment when they uh, made a golden calf. They started to worship it. Why did they make a golden calf? I mean, God's the one that split the sea. God's the one that caused water to come out of a rock. God's the one that brought them out of Egypt with signs and wonders all over the place and plundered the Egyptians. Why do you want a fake calf? Because we can see it. Because we don't know that God will always be here. This calf, we can touch, feel, and see it will always be. Don't be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink, stood up to play. You know, when you chase things as your security, when you start to look at things and people as your security instead of God, it's idolatry. Now, I'm not telling you this to condemn you this morning, but to encourage you that there's a better way to live. There's a much better way to live. It says, nor let, let us act immorally as some of them did, 23,000 fell in one day. When did they do that? You can find that in Numbers 25. That was when 23,000 fell in one day. It's a lot. 
It happened because the Moabites had wanted to defeat the Israelites. Remember, Balaam says, I can't curse them as much as I want to curse them. I can't. The shout of the kingdom is among them. I can't do anything but bless them. King of Moab says, keep trying. Keep trying to curse them. But every time that Balaam opens his mouth to curse the Israelites, he ends up blessing them. But Balaam was a dummy. I say that nicely. Because Balaam didn't learn from that. What he did was, we find out after, in fact, the New Testament talks about him in not a good light. Even after that great incident with the donkey talking and all that, we'd hear about his kids. You see, when I was a kid, I thought Balaam was kind of cool because his donkey talked to him. That's kind of neat. We find out later he convinced the Moabites, well, if you can't curse them, trick them into not trusting God anymore. And he tricked them using women and using idolatry. And they fell away. They started worshiping the gods of Moab who had done nothing for anybody. But we can see their gods. See, this is all the same thing. Every one of these examples is a different iteration on the same thing. Doubt, lack of faith in God, it's led them down the wrong path. Here's what it says. It says, nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents. What happened? They started to grumble. They started to moan. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example. So don't let it happen to you. And they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. No temptation. Now this word temptation could also very easily be translated as trial. In fact it is in, in several other places in the Bible. No trial has overtaken you but such as is common to man. And God is faithful. Let's hear that again. God is faithful. And that's what you need to remember, is God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tried, or, or, or struggle against something, or be tempted, or having to fight something, beyond what you are able, but with the trial or the temptation, will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. And endure it doesn't mean that you'll be able to just, just go through that pain because God wants you to feel pain. It means that you won't give up in the middle of a fight. God doesn't want you to give up in the middle of a fight. Now here he just made a promise, I am so faithful that you'll never lose another battle. Did you read what I just read? You're never going to lose a battle because I'll never even let you fight a battle you're not able to win. What does the Bible say? Take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench every fiery dart of the enemy. Every attack. It says put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand in the evil day. It says you will be able to stand. It doesn't say it will help you stand. It doesn't say it will it'll, it'll, it'll cause you to stand a little bit longer. It says you will be able to stand in the evil day. And guys, I don't think we've ever faced anything that's been worse than the evil day. That sounds bad, doesn't it? God says, even in the evil day, you won't lose this battle. You won't lose this battle. So what do we do? We learn from these Israelites. Guys, I don't believe that God is going to allow you to be bitten with all sorts of fiery serpents. I don't think the earth is going to open up. You do have a new and better covenant. But let me tell you, you will not possess the promises of God without faith and patience, as the Scripture says. 
It says in Hebrews, be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. And so if you're going to win, if you're going to overcome, the thing that overcomes is our faith. And we're going right back to what you learned at the beginning. There's no new tricks. There's no new cheat codes. No shortcuts. It's faith. I say this because I know many of you have fought and are fighting. Some of you are doing quite well. You will have to fight another battle. But that's not a bad thing when you're going to win. A boxer doesn't say, I don't want to fight anybody else. But, but man, you're guaranteed to win. There's nobody that can beat you. Yeah, but I don't like fighting. No, the more fights he wins, the more, the more fame, the more success. And we're not doing it for our own fame or success. We're doing it for the glory of God. But let's look at their lives and understand that what these Israelites did was not something that's new. What they had to put up with is a lot of what we have to put up with. You, sometimes we read the story and go, if I were only there, what I would do differently. Well, they fought the same things we fight with. Do you know if they had to fight the same battle every time, they probably would have finally figured out that God, God is able to do this. If, every, if everything they ever fought was another sea that had to part, you know, by the time they got to sea number five, they'd just be waiting and go, okay, Moses, go ahead. We're ready to run across. we got a new record to break. But it wasn't the same battle every time. It was a different battle. And you have to learn that the same God that brought me through the sea is the God that will bring me through the wilderness, is the God that will help me defeat the Amalekites, is the God that will help me go into the promised land and cause walls to fall down when I shout. That's the God we serve, and you have, to, you have to be able to transfer that He did it here, He can do it there. And sometimes we say, I have faith in this area. Boy, if I ever, get that, if I ever have that problem again, I'll know what to do. Well, you should be able to say, if I have any problem, I know what to do. It's the same solution. No matter what you're dealing with, if it's illness, if it's a relationship problem, if it's something else that's attacked you, if it's slander, if it's even something that's even worse than all of those things put together, it's the same solution. You've got to stand in faith. Don't fall because you just gave up. Don't fall because you begin to grumble. Now listen, it says they grumbled in the wilderness. And I, I want to tell you, sometimes we... I mean, here's, here's what happened to the Israelites. There was a lot of frustration. A lot. The moment that Moses spoke to them, they couldn't even believe that. It was hard for them to believe. They were so beaten down by life, so beaten down by circumstances, that they couldn't even embrace that God would want them free. How many times did they see the hand of God move? Yet the next time it happened, they didn't believe. And you know what? When you stop believing, discouragement comes. When you stop believing, frustration comes. If you find yourself frustrated often, check something because something's broken. Because when you're frustrated, then you're beginning to look at what I can and can't do, and you're not looking at what God can do. Frustration with themselves, with their leaders. You see, they, they, they took it out on Moses, but they were frustrated with God. They wanted to kill Moses, but they really, if they could have thrown rocks at God, they would have done that. If you, say, if you constantly say, I'm upset, I'm frustrated, then you need to work on your faith because something's broken there. 
you're constantly frustrated, it means that you're not really trusting what God has said. Because frustration comes from not seeing an answer, not believing there is an answer, just seeing all the things that are going wrong. But if you'll just trust God and believe God and watch your mouth, because here's what the Israelites did. They had that inner despair. They had that inner discouragement. And that's bad enough. But you know, it really didn't become a big problem until they opened their fat mouths. That's when it was a problem. If you just shut your mouth for a little bit until you can say what God says, you'll be a lot better. But what they did was they were frustrated. They were in despair. They were in discouragement. Their spirits were short. They didn't believe God anymore. And if they had shut up, maybe they, maybe they could have come to the point where it wouldn't have been so embarrassing to say, I've changed my mind. But instead, they began to open their mouths and grumbling, and it, and it infected everybody around them. And you know, they didn't all stop believing God at the same point. Do you actually think the Israelites, at the same moment in time, just said, unseen, we don't believe God anymore? No! started with one guy who gets frustrated. The Bible says, it says they were marching, it says they became discouraged or short in spirit because of the way. Because the way that God took them was not the way they thought they were going to go. Because the way had some things they weren't expecting. When God starts a picture, let Him finish the picture. Because sometimes God starts this beautiful picture and then we say, okay, God, I get what you're doing right now. Give me the pencil. And you try to finish it. And when it doesn't turn out like you tried to finish it, you get mad at God and say, God, why'd you promise this to me? And he goes, you didn't let me finish the picture. You finished it for me with what you thought should happen. And when it didn't happen that way, you got mad. When I was a little kid, I'd put my, I, I mean, my parents taught me, you, listen, if there are things that you need, you trust God. I mean, we'll supply your needs too. I mean, they didn't make me, they, they weren't extreme or something. They just said, you know, you're not going to eat unless you believe God for it. You know what I mean? They gave me food and they gave me clothing and they gave me pretty much everything I'd ever need or want. But there were times where there were things that uh, were just kind of an extra thing that I, I really thought, you know, I, I, I believe I, I want that or I could have that. And, and they said, well, why don't you pray about it? See what God wants. Why don't, you, why don't you talk to God about it? Why don't you trust Him? And you know what? You have to do it the same way we do it give and it will be given unto you right and so you give and I'd give in the offering and I'd know I'd know God's going to do this I say oh man I know God is going to meet this he's going to supply he's going to provide but then I'd sit down and wonder who is going to do it who's the money bags that's going to give me that's going to write this check who is the sugar daddy that's just going to give Liberty and I two big envelopes full of cash. Who's going to give I mean, how's it going to happen? It's tempting to do that, right? And you think that's faith. Sometimes, sometimes you think that's faith. I'm imagining what God's going to do. Now you're imagining how He's going to do it. And he didn't say He was going to do it that way. And you need to just let Him finish the picture. Because, I mean, I had heard, I, I trusted God, and I really believe I heard the voice of God saying, you got it. I'm going to give that to you. I should have just said, okay. But instead, I tried to finish it like, okay, but how? And then you start doing the, this thing where you start looking over at people in the church and go, hmm, well, they have a better job than that person. Nice car they're driving, I wonder. 
and you get to be putting people in a place of God and you're disappointed in people and you're discouraged when it doesn't happen that way don't finish the picture that God starts keep asking him to add to the picture and show you what he needs to show you and pray for understanding you'll see it and you'll see it and you'll see it and you'll walk where he tells you to walk and say what he tells you to say and you won't be blind you won't be short sighted he's not leaving you in the dark but he wants to do the work he wants to finish the picture himself and sometimes we try to fill it in God you've called me to go to other nations so I'm going to join YWAM tomorrow. Well, if God didn't tell you to join YWAM, don't join YWAM. But it would fulfill the prophecy that I'm going to the nations. Yeah, but you may do it all wrong. Let God finish his picture. And so they had a way that they thought they should go. When God did it different, they became discouraged. And so maybe the first guy goes, oh, man. I mean, I'm just tired of this. I'm tired of God calling the shots. I'm tired of Moses being the only guy that hears from God. And then um, he opens his mouth, starts to grumble out loud. And he does more than one thing there. He infects others with his unbelief, causing them to stumble. And he also has just used that tongue, which the Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue to speak things and speak death into a situation that God had spoken life. Jesus said, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you, it's what comes out of it. I should have just kept the mouth shut. Can I tell you, let's let's bring this to our world. When you're fighting stuff, and stuff's going wrong, and stuff's going bad, it's not wrong to say, listen, this is what's happening in my life, will you pray for me? It is wrong to start grumbling and whining and complaining and putting words to your frustration that you feel. And there are people, even preachers, that will tell you, oh, that's just what's kept the church down. That's why church is full of hypocrites, because we never say how we feel, and we just need to be real with one another. And just tell each other when we have doubts, just admit it to one another. Listen, if you have a doubt, then then you can, there's a way to talk to a brother and sister and say, here's a doubt I'm having, encourage me. That's different than whining. It's different than complaining. And it's different than justifying your unbelief. There was a famous pastor that wrote a book. I don't remember what came out. I worked in the bookstore. And it said, here are some things. Confessions of a pastor, something like that. I don't, one of his confessions was, I don't like other Christians. I was like, dude, don't say that. I'm not worried that other people are going to find out about that. I'm not trying to make you a hypocrite. But I'm thinking that's not what Jesus wants you to feel. And if that's what Jesus doesn't want you to feel, don't put it in print. Let him change you. Say, God, I don't really like other Christians. That's a problem. Lord, would you fix that in me? Instead of going, that's just the way I am. I want to be real with you. You're really, 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 really stupid. Now, I'm not judging that guy. I didn't even read the book, so maybe he... Maybe that's just a selling point. Maybe that's just the publisher making it flashy so people like me would pick it up. But here's the deal. People may have told you, you need to be real. Sometimes we just need to just sing the blues because, you know, sometimes we just need to be honest. We've just been so fake around each other. I'm not telling you to be fake. We're here to encourage one another. We're here to build each other up. And you know what? Sometimes you've just got to come clean and say, this is what I'm dealing with. I need your help. But that's different than complaining because when you're complaining, you're not looking for a solution. 
You're looking for people to join with you and come down to your level and feel that fleshly thing that your flesh loves, that self-pity, that, that, that let's roll in the mud for a while and just wallow in our own sadness. That's not the same as saying, this is what I'm fighting. I know it's not of God. Let's do this. Let's come out of it. Come on, guys. This is something we can beat. Whatever you're fighting, God wants you out of it. Whatever you're fighting, God wants you to win. He has provided a way of escape. And your mouth is not just a means of communicating with other human beings. You were created in the image and the likeness of God. There is power in your tongue. James says your whole life, your whole ship is steered by the rudder of your tongue. So watch what you say and begin to speak what God says like Joshua and Caleb did when they came out of the land and everybody was talking about how big we are, how big they are, how they see us, how we see ourselves. And Joshua and Caleb started talking about, well, if God has given it to us, then God is able to give, it, give them into our hands and God is able to make them our prey. See, it was all about God to them. So stop talking about the problem and about yourself and start talking about God. They come to the edge of the promised land and if they had just said, I believe God no matter what I see, no matter what it looks like, no matter what they look like, God said I could have it, so I will. Sometimes you have to be like Joshua and Caleb where you have your own family, your own friends, maybe even your own church turn against you and say you're foolish for believing God. Do you know what? Joshua and Caleb were so impassioned, they didn't back down, they didn't get quiet, they ripped their clothes and said, what's wrong with you? Why don't you just believe God? <laughs> it's good to have nice friends, isn't it? It's better to have friends full of faith. <laughs> that are nice and loving God. I mean, I know this. God created us to be loving. Encouragers. Our speech seasoned with grace as though with salt. Speaking a word that will edify somebody and build them up. But you know, edifying somebody is not always making them feel better. Iron sharpens iron. How many, how many times have you seen something sharpen, a knife sharpened or something like that? Does that look comfortable? Does that look like they're getting along just fine? They're grinding against each other. Sometimes you need a friend that's going to grind against your unbelief and act like Joshua and Caleb and say, I'm not going to shut up. What's wrong with you? Why don't we just believe God? And not say it in a condemning way. Not saying it in a way that makes you feel like a little person. But saying it in a way that lifts you up. And says, okay, you're right. i got to snap out of this. And maybe if I need to get smacked in the face to do it, I'm going to do it. Because i got to finally just get on the same page with God. Man, this is not new. This is not like some new thing that we just figured out. This is something we've been, that, that, that has been preached for decades and decades. And, and, and the Lord has been... I mean, well, it's, it's been just as old as the Word of God. And many of you kind of cut your teeth on this kind of thing. But it's easy to slack off if you let yourself. If you let yourself believe, well, we all have our struggles, and we all have to, maybe God's just trying to teach me something. You know what? God will teach you something. But you've got to pick up your gun and fight. Pull the trigger here. Quit being a wimp. Because here's the problem. We don't know who's, who we're fighting against. If you go into battle, the Lord has sent you to battle fully equipped to fight, fully equipped to win. 
But you don't know if those guys coming across the hill at you are from God or from the enemy you think you're going to shoot at? I wouldn't. You know what I mean? That's friendly fire. We're not dumb. If I was in World War II and I, and I was fighting for the Allies and I didn't know if those guys coming across were Brits or Nazis, I wouldn't shoot at them until I knew. And so when you don't know if, if it's God or the enemy that you're fighting against, you're not going to fight. You're going to stand there and just go, oh, I guess. Even worse, if you're convinced that it's God who's doing it, then you stand there and go, shoot at me. I guess that's what you want to do. I guess that's what God wants is for me to get killed. I guess it's what you want. I mean, and he goes, I didn't want you to get killed. I wanted you to fight and win. But you sent me to this battlefield to be ambushed. I didn't send you to be ambushed. Gave you a gun. It's bigger than their gun. I, I told you how to win. I told you where to duck. I told you how to shoot. Yeah, but if it were your will, there'd be nobody here shooting against me. No, that's not the way it works. Why doesn't the general love me? Well, I don't understand why the general sent this enemy. General didn't send the enemy. He sent you to the enemy. But he didn't send you to the enemy to, to get beat up and scrapped just so he could teach you a lesson. He sent you to the enemy to beat the enemy. And we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this age. And we wrestle to win. We box to win, as, as the Apostle Paul said. We don't box as a beating the air. We, this is not a training exercise. This is life. This is real. I told you this story before. But, uh, you know, you are, you're, you're bigger than you think you are, and you've got more power in your tongue than you know. And I remember when I, uh, I had worked for several years at, at uh, this, this particular place, and I had done real well and, and hadn't, hadn't taken any sick days or, or days of rest. I mean, we, I'd taken days where I was out of town, took a lot of those days, uh, but, but not a day to, not a sick day. I was never home and not at work when I needed to be at work. Then one day, because I mean, any time there'd be a, just a, a, a start of something, just a, just, just a taste of illness, we all know what to do. You fight it, right? Well, this one time, I felt it coming on. It wasn't anything big. It wasn't anything to really get worried about. And I said to myself, I had been working real hard that week, and I just said to myself, man, it wouldn't be so bad to get a day off. And I wasn't talking about just coincidentally a day off. I was talking about like, it wouldn't be so bad to come down with something and just get to rest. Stupid, man. Because, and I can tell you, the minute I said that, I got worse. And I had to fight that. I've never had to fight anything as long as I had to fight that. I had to fight that for months. I couldn't sing. I, when I talked, I talked like this. I was supposed to sing at my sister's wedding, and I told her, Liberty, I can't sing at your wedding. I don't have the voice to do it. The Lord said, as I was praying, said, You've, you just invited an attack on your life. You let it in. Now you're fighting a spirit of infirmity, and you've got to stand up. And so I said, oh, that's what it is. That's why I can't just get over this stupid thing. And I, I began to fight it. And I remember Tracy Harris put his arm around me the night before the wedding, and he looked, and he said, he said, you've been fighting the spirit of infirmity. I said, absolutely. He said, I'm going to pray with you right now. And uh, the next day I sang at my sister's wedding. And I sang clearly, and I didn't have to fight that again. But I don't want to fight that again. I don't think I ever will. But we can't just relax this thing and think that we're just like anybody else. 
Those Israelites go into the wilderness and they open their mouth and let all that grumbling come out. You know, I, I read a commentary on this particular verse and their conclusion was that it was just God didn't like whiners. <laughs> you know what's bigger than God not liking whiners? It's more a matter of you have some power in your tongue. And, you know, something, it's not a sin to be tempted. It's not a sin to have a fiery dart shot in your mind. It is a sin to entertain it, give it a home, give it a magazine to read while you prepare a meal for it, and let it stay the night, and then speak it out of your mouth and make it a permanent resident. That's a problem. Let's look in Hebrews. Man, you're so created to conquer, to win. We're going to Hebrews chapter 3. He says in verse 7, Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tried me by testing me, and saw my works for forty years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, They always go astray in their heart. And they did not know my ways. As I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So they didn't get to enter the rest because they didn't believe God when he said something. And it says, take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. So what's an evil heart? An unbelieving heart. Why do people fall away? They stop believing. But in Kurt, so here's, here's the solution. It says an evil, unbelieving heart falls away from the living God. But he doesn't say, he doesn't just say make sure you don't have an evil, evil, unbelieving heart. He says make sure there's not in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart. Which means my brothers, my sisters, my comrades in arms next to me, I'm responsible for them. Now I'm not as responsible as they are, but I have a part to play. Here's, here's what you do. If you see somebody falling, if you see somebody that they're starting to draw back and they're not fighting like they used to fight, he says, encourage one another. Day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. What kind of sin? Let's look and he'll say it. For we become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. While it is said today, if you hold, hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned? What kind of sin are we talking about? He's about to define it. Whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see here we're about to see what sin that kept them out of the promised land. So we see they were not able to enter because of unbelief. They were not it. The reason they didn't go in wasn't because the giants were there. The reason they didn't go in was because God wasn't because God changed his mind. The reason they didn't go in was wasn't because the weather just didn't pan out. The reason they didn't go in was because they refused to just believe. Everything else, all this, all this other stuff, the mumbling, the complaining, the, the grumbling, the whining, the, the 
craving other things. The idolatry was all a manifestation of that lack of trust in God. It even kept Moses out. Because that first time, God told Moses to strike the rock, and he did. But then the second time, much later in his life, God said, speak to the rock. Instead of speaking, he got frustrated. You can't let yourself get frustrated. He got frustrated, and he hit the rock. God said, you didn't trust me. He said, you didn't, you didn't honor me as holy. He said, because you struck that rock, you don't get to go in. And Aaron doesn't get to go in either. Isn't that sad? I don't want you to be sad this morning. <laughs> I want you to be encouraged. But I want you to be encouraged with this. The only, the, the only difference between you winning and losing is, is, is faith. We, just, we put too many factors in this whole thing. We think, well, it came down to wh whether the cards fell this way, the cards fell that way. No, it didn't. God seen all the cards way before the beginning of time. Well, it came down to whether God wanted it or didn't want it. Do you think God didn't want them to go into the promised land? It says He did. Did it come down to what came against us that we weren't expecting? God saw what would come against you, and He knew what was coming against you when He promised you what He promised you. What it came down to was whether you can say, I believe God, and not when it's looking good, and when you're eating the grapes. and not It's not about whether you can believe God when He first brings you out of Egypt and you're loaded down with gold and silver. It's about whether you can believe God at the next thing that you run across that challenges that belief. Whether or not you can say, I believe God, when the sea is standing between us and where we need to be. Whether you can say, we believe God, when we need water and all we have is a rock. Where you say, we can believe God, when, when I don't see any way to get food, but He somehow says He's going to provide manna from the sky. Whether we can believe God that when He brings us to the edge of the promised land and there are giants in the land and there's big cities and fortifications and we're not really well prepared for this, whether we can believe God and say that we go in. And how do you believe God? It starts here, it goes to here, and it goes to your feet. It starts in your heart, goes to your mouth, and then to the rest of your body. And the mouth will turn your body. The mouth will control your body. So you just say, what does God say? And I don't care if I'm sick. I don't care if these people hate me. I don't care if it looks like my marriage is falling apart. What does God say? Because the test of your faith, the test of your faith is not in Sunday morning. The test of your faith is when you go out there and something challenges Everything you know to be true through the Word of God challenges it through your eyes, your ears, and everything else. That's where your faith is tested. And guess what? The Bible says that faith, when tested, if it's real, even though, refined, even though tested by fire, will pass the test. So if you just stand in that faith, and you say, God said it, I'm beginning to say the same thing God said. We've been hearing that for years and years. But, but you know what? It's easy to let go. Don't let go. And if you see somebody letting go, encourage them. Day after day. If you have to phone them, phone them. If you have to bug them, bug them. But encourage them. And see to it that none of us fall because of an evil, unbelieving heart. I'm not talking about going to hell here, people. I'm not talking about eternal damnation. No, I'm talking about your brothers and sisters. I'm talking about even the little battles that they might lose just because they stop believing. 
I don't want any of you to lose any of them. We want to win. We've got everything we need to win. Let's learn here. Let's let the, the Word teach us. And you know what? So when the things come, and when the troubles come and challenge our faith, our faith is meant to overcome that, right? In fact, when they started grumbling against the Lord, it was right after they just, He just brought them one of the biggest victories they'd ever had. Isn't that weird? It's like the next verse. There's a king that challenges them. He says, I'm not letting you go through my land. They say, fine, we're going through anyway. God gives them the victory. Then the next verse, we're tired of manna. We hate this stuff. And they start to grumble. Praise God. So here it is. Here it is. Watch your mouth. Watch your heart. Guard your heart with all diligence. And if it's an unbeliever or an unbelieving believer that challenges you and says, you really don't need to have faith in that area. You really shouldn't be saying what you're saying. You really shouldn't be so hopeful right now. Get away from it. Guard your heart. Then guard your tongue. You know what? Let me go a step further. Don't just not whine about it. Don't put it on Facebook. Okay? It kind of goes, it, it gets permanent after you do that. You might get over it, but nobody knows you got over it. You might get over it, but now it's just, it's out there. And you may have discouraged somebody else's faith. Now you're stuck in that moment. Why be stuck in that moment? God called you out of it. God wants to bring you out of it. He does not want you to walk through life discouraged, defeated, frustrated. If you're frustrated, have faith in God. If you're worried, have faith in God. If you're fearful, have faith in God. And you say, Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? And He says, have faith in God. If, if there's any of these emotions in you, if you say, I'm upset. If a ship is upset, it's going to sink. Don't be upset. Be sober-minded. Be vigilant. Endure. Be patient and be faithful. Because you know what? When we let that despair and that discouragement and the frustration in, that's being faithless. God has called you to greater things. He's called you to win. He doesn't want you to fall down in the wilderness and, and not be able to go where He called you to go and, and, not, and miss out on the great promises He has. So if it's a headache, fight it. If it's, if it's cancer, fight it. If it's a brain tumor, fight it. If it's, if it's pending divorce, fight it. I don't care what it is. Stand in faith and believe God. Right? Am I crazy? No. This is the Word of God. Let's look at these people as an example. And don't just laugh at them like it's a big joke. Realize that they're real people who had real issues and had to every day come to the conclusion, we either believe God or we don't. And it's, it's going to be a different problem every time. One day it's the water's poisoned. Another day it's, we don't know where the food's coming from. Another day it's a king that wants to kill you. Another day it's, it's something else that's going on. You have to apply the same faith to every issue, every problem. I mean, I know that sounds weird, but it's still God is able versus God is unable. Whether it's a headache or pending nuclear war, God is able. And you've got to come down to that and say God is able. When your friends try to talk you out of it, 
you, you question whether they're really your friends and say God is able. Now I believe God's going to put you in relationships with people that might be not at the same place you're at. And you're called to bring them up to that level. If you're not influencing them and they're influencing you, that's not a fruitful relationship. Get out of it. Just leave it alone. If you're bringing them up and they're not at that same level as you, but, but they're coming along and they're growing, it may be slow, but they're coming in the right direction, then keep in that relationship. Encourage them. Raise them up. you got somebody that refuses to listen to you. The Bible tells us very, very clearly. It says don't have anything to do with those kind of people. I know that sounds harsh, but this is life and death, guys. This is life and death. And I, uh, as a pastor, sometimes, you know, you see uh, it's, it's not a coincidence when in one week you have a bunch of people saying, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. And it just seems like a really rough week. But I know that when I read the Word, that if I put on the full armor of God and you put on the full armor of God, we will be able to stand in the evil day and quench every fiery dart of the evil one. And nothing he does can make us fall. God didn't create you to fall. He created you to stand. Amen. Would you stand? Thank God. <laughs> Praise God. I, I did not want in any way to seem stern or rough with you this morning. But we need to be encouraged. And sometimes we need to be... Uh, just you just need to hear it straight. Just quit listening to the quit listening to the the mealy mouthed, wimpy, defeated Christians that walk around defeated before they even start. I love them. You need to love them. You need to pray for them. You don't need to you don't need to speak against them. You don't need to hate them. You don't need to gossip. You need to keep in love. You need to walk in love. But at the same time, don't let yourself be influenced by doubters be influenced by the word and like the apostle Paul says when he, when he was in Ephesus they had prophesied to him that if you go to Rome they'll whip you, they'll beat you, they'll put you in chains you shouldn't go to Rome apostle Paul said Holy Spirit's already told me about all this and he says this wonderful thing he says yet none of these things move If you can say, no matter what he throws at you, when I mean he, I mean the enemy. What he throws at you, say, none of these things move me. Then you begin to move them. Praise God. Thank God. Father, we stand, we stand on your truth. We stand on your loving kindness and your faithfulness. We know that you have not left us abandoned. You have not left us without hope. You've not left us without escape from any trouble, any battle, any temptation, any trial. You have provided. You have already provided a way of escape. So Lord, open our eyes and our ears to only see and only hear what You say and what You have showed us, Lord. And Father, I pray that just as, just as in some there's a spiritual blindness and you're opening their eyes to see with the Spirit. You're opening their eyes to see what you see. Lord, I pray that our physical, our fleshly eyes, God would come secondary in every way to the eyes of the Spirit. That we begin to put your reality as the real reality above every other uh, every other doctrine, every other fiction, every other theory about You. Lord, we believe what You say about Yourself.
you are faithful. You are good. Your mercy endures forever. Who shall we say you are? We say you are who you say you are. Lord, we refuse to fall because of unbelief. To give up because of discouragement. God, we're not going to be frustrated anymore. We're going to be faithful. We're going to be full of faith. We're not going to be discouraged, disappointed. We are going to be full of faith. We're not going to be upset. We're going to be steady, full of faith. We're not going to be hypocrites or fake. We're going to be full of faith in Jesus' name. Lord, we take authority right now. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I know there are those that aren't even here because they've been kept from coming because of various illnesses and attacks. And we take authority over that right now in the name of Jesus. That concentrated attack on our church will not stand in Jesus' name. I rebuke you, Satan. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Every unclean, evil infirmity that has come upon our members has no place, no right, no legality, and we rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And Father, right now I ask you, now we look to you and pray that their faith would be strengthened. That their faith would not lie and rest in, in what man can do, doctors or, or, or pills or anything else, but Lord, their faith would rest solely in you. You are a deliverer. You are a rescuer. You are a healer. You are a great physician. You are a great guide. In Jesus' name, we speak healing over all those who've called themselves a part of this body. In Jesus' name, and we pray that the glory of God would be shown in our body. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for those who've been attacked in the area of relationship, who've been attacked in their, in their marriages, in their, in their parents, parenting skills and any of those things any relationships that have been attacked in this church in this body we pray right now lord that your hand would be on them that they would see the truth that they'd stop believing a lie and that they would love as you love forgive as you forgave and that you'd give them the strength to walk through it and to come out on the other side more in love with each other than they've ever been more in love with their kids than they've ever been, that you would make the wrong into right, Lord, that you'd bring justice to victory, that your hand would be on them for good, and Lord, that, that I just pray that if there is an unequal yoking, that if, if, there's, if there's some in the family that believe and some that don't, Lord, that they would all believe in Jesus' name. Lord, that there wouldn't be a struggle to believe God but they'd be able to say we believe God and if they just come back on the truth that you said what God has joined together let no man split up and they just stand on that alone I pray that their faith would be in you to preserve them in Jesus name thank you Jesus thank you Lord thank you Jesus thank you Lord thank you Jesus we praise you and thank you we have the victory in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We have the victory. We have the victory. We have the victory. We have your joy. We have your peace. We have your shout of triumph among us in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, we are not defeated. We are not beaten down. We are not destroyed. We may be smacked, but we are not struck down. We are not destroyed. We may have been persecuted, but we are not abandoned. 
We may have been even talked about. We may have been attacked. But we have not been defeated. We have not lost this battle. And we've not lost the war. Because you didn't lose. And you never lose. Thank you, Jesus. The victor lives in us. The victor lives with us. The victor walks among us. The victor sings over us. The victor laughs with us. The victor dances with us. The king is in our midst. The king is on your side. What then do you say to these things? For if God is for us, who can be against us? So what do we say to these things? What do we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He is for us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. God is on your side. God is for you. God is with you. God is among you. Man, man, man. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, Lord, train our lips, train our tongue to praise instead of complain. Train our tongues to shout instead of to whine. Train our mouths to laugh instead of groaning in discouragement. Oh, train our lips to speak truth. Oh, praise God. Praise God. We've got to know what truth is. Mm. When we know what God said, what He promised, quit lying about it. Quit lying about your circumstance. What's the truth? The truth is what God said. Anything else is a lie, right? He says, let God be true and every man be a liar. When you go whining and complaining and discouraged and put, put words to those discouragements, you're lying about the situation. The truth is, you're more than a conqueror. The truth is, He's already overcome. The truth is, this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. The truth is, that it, no matter what you're facing, and I want to say this very clearly, and I want you to hear it in faith, whatever you're facing, He said, God has provided an escape. He didn't say He will provide an escape. It has been provided. You stand. And you stand, and you stand, and you stand, and you listen, and you watch. And He will bring you out. Amen.